Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And, uh, Father, thank you for blessing us uh, with understanding and uh, a remembrance of your scriptures. Uh, we are going to put a lot together today to help people understand and cooperate with God in this process. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going back to Trials of Faith Prepare Us for Battle, number four. And I'm going to start with a teaching we're going to call it Nailing the Old Man to the Cross. Okay? And this is me. But I want to share with you something that's probably one of the most hated and denied doctrines, as we know, and as I've said before. Yet, uh, one of the most important doctrines, if a person wants to bear fruit and walk in the steps of Jesus. And I'm referring to the question of how we are to die to self. There is the death to self that comes as we repent day by day, that comes as we read the Word of God and realize uh, what the will of God is for us and what repentance actually is. What do we change our mind to, right? Repentance means to change our mind. So when we read and are corrected by the Word, The old man dies, and the new man comes to life in the trials and tribulations that we have, right? Because we choose him, right? And that's because the new man is the word bearing fruit in our soul. So let's focus on another area concerning this. Uh, Zechariah 13 and 7 says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd. And against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. And I will turn my hand upon the little ones. Well, guess what? Jesus was the big one, and we're all the little ones, right? (laughs) So, Jesus quoted this in Matthew 26, speaking about himself being the shepherd. And uh, the scattering of his disciples being at least the beginning of God's turning his hand upon the little ones. It sounds very much like the Lord is out to kill us all. (laughs) Actually, it's the old man. He is the enemy of the old man, right? So the Lord Jesus was the first. He was the example. He was the sacrifice. uh, And without him, nothing else would be possible. Uh, He made it possible for us to die. So, to self, of course. So, is God really out to kill us all? (laughs) To turn his hand upon the little ones, just as he turned the sword against his son? You know, the Lord uh, took credit for that. 
as we can see from that text, uh, we will read some verses that absolutely confirm what I'm saying here. But the Lord took credit for crucifying Jesus. He used wicked men to do it. But now, he says, he is turning his hand upon the little ones, too. So, what is it about us that has to go to death, that has to be crucified? Galatians 5 and 17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary the one to the other, that you may not do the things that you would. That your old man would is what he's talking about. So there's a war going on between the flesh and the spirit, and they are enemies. The flesh, representing the old man, must die. 1 Corinthians 15 and 50 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So yes, the Lord's hand is against the old man to put him to death. It doesn't necessarily mean the death of the body. It means the death of the flesh, which of course includes the mind of the flesh. Uh, it speaks of the fallen part of the soul of man, just as there is a regenerate part of the soul of man that is aligned with the spirit man. Your spirit man today is your born-again spirit and um, the born-again part of your soul. And then the flesh man is the uh, old man, and it is your flesh and the part of your soul that's unregenerate or unborn again. Okay? So we're told that the flesh is contrary to God's way and His will. And that's Romans 8 and 7, because the mind of the flesh is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. And they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So we have work to do. When we come into the kingdom, it's not all over. You haven't stepped over a line, and now you can sit down and wait for the rapture. No. Just pay attention and you'll see what your job is. Um, the mind of the lower nature, the mind of the fallen man, the mind of the old man is the enemy of God. And what we have to do is cooperate with God in this process of the crucifixion of the old man. Our Lord Jesus gave us a perfect example of that in John 10 and 17. Therefore doth the Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. There you go. He's laying down that old lower nature life, that uh, flesh that he inherited through Mary, the seed of David that he inherited through Mary. He was tempted in all point like as we. And a, a person is tempted when they're drawn by lust, the Bible says very clearly, some people think that he didn't he did have it he overcame it he overcame it 
John 10, 17, Therefore doth the Father love me, because I lay down my life. That's the uh, suke life. That's the lower life he's talking about. That I may take it again. Yes, that's the born again life. Does the Father love all of those who are willing to lay down their life? Well, of course he does. And Jesus said that the Father loves those who obey the Son. Did you know that? He loves those that obey the Son, not claim Christianity. John 14 and 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Glory be to God. Down in 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. You see, he does not love the old man. The obedient is a person who's in the path of righteousness, of laying down the old man to take up the new man. And of course, obeying the Son is obeying the Word, and obeying the Son is laying down your life to take up His life. Well, the Father loved Jesus because He laid down His life so that He might take it up again. Right? John 10 and 18. No one taketh it away from me, He said. Yeah. Jesus is our example. He wants us to be willing to take up His life. No one else can take the life of the self, the old man, from us. People can kill you, but they can't take that self-life from you. You have to give that up. John 10 and 18. No one taketh it away from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power. Literally, the word here is exousia, uh, meaning authority. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to to take it again. So he's saying, I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it again. We have this authority. You can follow God and deny yourself, or you can follow the flesh and, um, and not bear fruit. When we were baptized, we reckoned ourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. Romans 6 and 11. We reckoned that the old man was dead and that we were crucified with Christ. And we don't live anymore. It's now Christ who lives in us. We received authority to lay down that old life and we can say no to self. We can say no to the devil. We received authority and likewise, anybody who loses their life will gain their life. If we lay it down, we have authority to take it up. 
That doesn't mean you will take that authority. Some people are taught in church that don't have that authority. They're always going to be a sinner saved by grace. Okay. But these are liars. They want you to escape uh, the crucifixion, which is escaping the fruit of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, Enoch was translated by faith. He was intricately involved in the resurrection life that came in him because he had already walked in death. He had been well-pleasing to God, having already walked against the self-life, against the stream of humanity. Because of that, God loved him. Enoch laid his life down to take it up again. And Jesus, as our example, cooperated with this process. He said, I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. And so does the body of Christ today. Hmm. So this commandment received I from the Father, he said. Okay, and he said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Oh, and of course, we have received the same commandment, and we do have power because of what Jesus did at the cross. We have power, which is the correct word here, dunamis. Authority is the right to use power. Okay, you have something better than power. You have the authority of Jesus to use his power. So we use God's power to lay down the old self life and to take up the new born-again man, which is constantly growing as the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed. So you're not just born again in the beginning. This man is constantly growing inside of you. He wants to take you over. So whether we will or not um, is a decision we have to make individually. Not everyone will be a disciple of Jesus Christ. For many are called, but few are chosen, Matthew 22 and 14. So although we have this command of the Lord to lay down our life, he said that it's quite conditional upon us. Some people think we accepted Jesus and it's all over. Sit on a pew and wait for the rapture, right? Well, it is all over by faith. But faith is the substance of a thing hoped for while the evidence is not yet seen. Mm. Uh, however, you are accounted righteous by your faith. So it, it permits you fellowship with God until this process is finished. So we see the end from the beginning, but we have to cooperate with God in this process of laying down our self-life. And it's all about denying self. Matthew 16 and 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Follow me indicates that this person is a disciple, uh, which means a learner and a follower. That's what disciple means. Uh, So, 
Denying self and taking up the cross are synonymous. We are not permitting self to live through this body. We deny self. We take up our cross and follow Him to our death. And of course, that's a death of self. And of course, that is uh, to the death of Matthew 16 and 25. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it. Many seek to save the life of self. Many, most, as we know in the parable of the sower. And they seek to justify self. And when they do, they are giving up the opportunity to have the life of Christ and bear fruit. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. The word used here for life is suke. It's the same word for soul. And it's uh, talking about your soul, life, uh, or self, self-life. These two are synonymous too, as we will see. We lay down the old self in order to take up the new. We lay down our old soul, our own mind, will, and emotions in order to take up Jesus's mind, will, and emotions. This is our cross. We have opportunity to advance in this every day. If we'll lay down our life to have the life of Christ, this will come to pass. So this is a condition, and it should make many people tremble because this is a condition that's given to all Christians. Those who don't bear fruit in this area will not have eternal life. Jesus said so. And it doesn't matter what they have by faith. It matters what they manifest before they leave this life. Faith is a tool to bring you to the manifestation of Christ in you. So those who walk by faith will receive power from God to walk the crucified life. And they will love. They will embrace the cross. They will embrace death to self because they want the life of Christ. Verse 26, For what shall a man be profited if he shall gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Very true. Again, the word suke is translated here as life. And it is the same word for soul. But there's still another way it's translated, Luke 9 and 24. For whosoever would save his life, suke, shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life, suke, for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose or forfeit his own self? Suke. This is a suke. This is self, the self life, right? Um, that's the same word translated as life, soul, and own self. Self. It is a person's mind, will, and emotions. We will have his life 
if we're willing to give up our mind, our will, and our emotions for this. The renewed mind of Christ comes from submitting to the Word of God. Besides just knowing the Word and submitting to it, there are some very important things that we can do to cooperate with God in bringing this to pass. 1 Peter 2 and 19 says, For this is acceptable, if for conscience towards God a man endureth griefs, suffering wrongfully. Obviously, we suffer wrongfully at the hands of the world, at the hands of the wicked, and at the hands of the curse. Yes, everybody has to overcome the curse, right? Deuteronomy 28. And we do that by faith in the blood of Jesus, which was given to us to bring us out from under the curse. So we suffer wrongfully, and if we do it because of conscience towards God, quote-unquote, this is okay. Verse 20 says, For what glory is it if when you sin and are buffeted for it, you shall take it patiently? But if you do well and suffer for it, you shall take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. So the word acceptable here is actually the word grace. Uh, and may be read, this is grace with God. When we do what we're called to do, what the Scripture commands us to do, and we suffer for it, this is grace with God. The Lord says, My grace is sufficient for thee. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. So, we're called to a cross, and we're going to suffer if we do what's right. 2 Timothy 3 and 12. Yea, and all that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So the world is going to come against us if we bear our cross. If we're willing to accept exactly what the Word of God says. And if we're willing to submit in circumstances to God's commands. We're going to suffer death to self. And it's good because it's the only way to bear fruit. First Peter 2 and 21 on down says, For hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. So, when Jesus was reviled or threatened, he turned the other cheek. He resisted not the evil. Matthew 5 and 39. He knew that this was God's method to bring him to his cross, and the next two verses speak of exactly that who his own self bear our sins in his body upon the tree, that we, having died unto sins, 
might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So, by not defending self, we come to our cross. Just as when Jesus refused to defend himself, and he came to his cross. There is a well-known chapter in Isaiah concerning the cross and what Jesus bore there. Isaiah 53, verse 7 says, He was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted, he opened not his mouth. As a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and as a sheep that before its shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Well, we know this is true when he was before Pilate, And when he was before Herod, he didn't defend himself. He knew that this was the Father's will for him to go to the cross. He wasn't going to try to talk him out of it, right? So he denied himself and he went to the cross. He did that to save us. He could have said quite a few things that probably would have um, served to defend him, but he didn't. So, when we defend self, we're proving that we want to save this life rather than lose this life. Matthew 16 and 25. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it. Many people during the coming tribulation, for instance, will seek to save their life but they're going to lose it anyway because in the great and terrible day of the Lord, those who have proven themselves to be the harlot are going to be destroyed by the beast. They could have accepted their cross during the tribulation. They could have accepted their deliverance from this world by the crucifixion of self. But since they cast it down, They will lose everything during the great and terrible day of the Lord. We don't have any choice about losing our life. It's lose it now and have heaven, or lose it later and have hell. The point is, if we lose it now, we don't have to endure the day of the Lord. Jesus was our example here because he opened not his mouth. He did not defend self. He went to the cross. Today, many people defend themselves when you try to bring the word to them. When you show them that they're doing something wrong, they take no correction. Instead, they defend themselves, refusing to go to their cross. The word is our cross. It's contrary to the carnal life, or fleshly life. Well, Jesus was the way, and he gave us the method. God had many people around Jesus who were willing to help him to go to the cross. And so do we. We have many people around us whose only purpose in life is to help us to go to this cross. This is God's process to create His sons. We're still in this creation mode. Acts 2, 2, 2. You men of Israel, 
Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God unto you by mighty works and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, even as you yourselves know, him being delivered up by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. So God turned Jesus over to this to save us. So Jesus was delivered up to his cross by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Are we? Absolutely. He said he would turn his hand upon the little ones, Zechariah 13 and 7. However, we still have to cooperate with God. He gave us a decision to make, either lose our life to gain our life or save our life and lose our life. And, of course, the latter is save your carnal life. And you will lose your higher life. So we have to cooperate. No man takes our life. We have to lay it down. And, of course, they can um, take your physical life But they can't do anything to take that self-life. We have to lay that down. Acts 2 and 23 says, Him being delivered up by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you by the hands of lawless men did crucify and slay. He is speaking to ye men of Israel who today are what we loosely call the church. The harlot church will use the beast to bring about the crucifixion of God's true disciples. I'm not talking about physical crucifixion. What happened to Jesus in his crucifixion was a sign representing the crucifixion of self. We are here to lose our life, our suke, our fallen soulish life. Not even Christian uh, will physically die. Not every Christian will physically die. But every Christian will lose their life or they won't be a Christian. So God used the hand of Israel here and he used these lawless men to crucify Jesus Christ to bring him to his cross and to life again. There is no eternal life without the cross. It's no cross, no crown. Now, I know when you first enter into this, you don't know much about this cross. But immediately, you start obeying the Word. You're on it when you do that. It's very simple. Okay? So, if you uh, continue to walk down that trail by faith that Jesus already took away your old life, you are covered by the blood of the Lamb. So people are deceived by the devil into thinking that they can justify themselves, that they can defend themselves in the presence of the Word of God. Instead of embracing the truth and letting it put to death their old life, they deny the Lord. So we call baptism a sign And it surely is a sign of the water of the Word putting to death the old life. 
we accept it at the very beginning of our Christian walk, or we should, if the preachers are doing their duty. Uh, we accept it at the very beginning of our Christian walk. But as we continue our walk in the Lord, as we read the Word of God, putting it into our hearts, repenting, the Word now replaces the old man, the old life, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions of the old man. We're embracing the cross if we repent, if we do not justify ourselves in our sin. Notice that God has helpers. He has the harlot and the beast to help bring us to our cross. Wasn't it that way in the beginning? Sure. Acts 4 and 27 says, For of a truth in this city against thy holy servant Jesus, whom thou didst anoint, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, that's the head of the harlot of apostate Judaism and the local head of the beast. With the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, that's the whole world. And the Lord says, we're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake, Matthew 24 and 9. This is because all nations are cooperating to help us to take up our cross, deny self, and follow Jesus into everlasting peace and life. Notice the purpose that the heads of the harlot, the heads of the beast, the Gentiles, and the peoples of Israel were gathered together, Acts 4 and 28, to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel foreordained to come to pass. So then it was to crucify Jesus. Now it's to crucify the body of Christ. Because he is a sign of us. Again, we don't all have to die a horrible death on the physical cross. But as we've noticed, the scriptures are teaching a spiritual cross here. A death to self is what we're here for. Jesus commands that we do this. But we have to make that decision. Jesus was very explicit about the most important method of cooperating with the wicked world around us. Matthew 5 and 38. We have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, Resist not him that is evil. But whosoever smiteth thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So isn't that the example that he gave to us? He didn't defend himself. He was as a lamb led to slaughter. And in type and shadow, that's exactly the way we need to be. Do not defend self. Self is the enemy. We're not saying you can't defend others, but I'm not talking about weapons either. You may step forward to defend others, okay, but you can't defend yourself. And that's what the Jews said. Himself he cannot save. <laughs> Amen. You should be standing on the Lord's side. The people around you are all gathered around you for a purpose, as we just saw. And I'm talking about the wicked, whether it be the wicked in the so-called church or the wicked outside the church. 
It makes no difference. They have a predestined work of God to do on us, and it is crucifixion. We need to cooperate with the vessels of dishonor used of God to bring us to our cross. Because no one is in your life by accident. The Bible says a man can receive nothing except it have been given him from heaven. John 3 and 27. And God worketh all things after the counsel of his will. And Ephesians 1 and 11. Okay. So just know that no one is in your life as obnoxious as many of them are without God having sent them and put them there for this purpose. Do you? Does this mean you have to associate with all the wickedness out there? Well, no. You, you have to come out from among them and fellowship the righteous. But still, you have these people around you. Okay? Jesus demands here that we resist not him that is evil. We know that this is not talking about the principalities and powers because the Bible says to resist the devil. Okay? James 4 and 7. And we also know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and against the powers and against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6 and 12. So, what he's saying here is resist not man who is evil to you, especially in any physical way. We have some brilliant theologians who came up with the idea that Jesus was preaching this to people who were to obey it in the millennium. (laughs) They should be ashamed of themselves. First, if Jesus was going to give the Sermon on the Mount, As rules for the millennium, he could have waited another couple of thousand years before giving it. When he he came back, right? Okay. So, second, the people in the millennium are going to have a new body. I'm talking about the born-again people in the millennium are going to have a new body. They don't have a problem with this. So, why should they put this on them? Why do they have to worry about not resisting the wicked? They don't. It's all over for them. They overcame and they got their new body. The wicked can't touch them. They're in a born-again body. So he's speaking this to his disciples because he was demanding that they resist not the wicked around them, just as he resisted not, so that they would go to their cross too. Now, I'm going to throw this little caveat in here, and that is that Jesus defended the knowledge of his disciples when he came against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was defending someone else. He wasn't defending self. So, we're in the hands of the Lord, a sovereign God. Nothing can happen to you. You may ask, What will happen to me if I do this? Well, you will die to self. And you'll be in the hands of the Lord. And His fruit will be in your heart. And it's His decision to make, and it's His demand. He commanded, resist not him that is evil, 
But whosoever smiteth thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Matthew 5 and 39. So we can justify self. We can make up some fairy tale like this is for the millennium. (laughs) And we don't have to go to our cross. But ultimately, we're going to die if we don't go to our cross. And what we need to do is embrace this and learn to turn the other cheek. Get on God's side against your flesh. If you don't, you will not make it. You will not bear fruit. Do you know what happens when you resist not the evil around you? People are going to come against you with this and come against you with that. But when you resist them not, and I'm talking about personal forgiveness now, not governmental forgiveness um, for the church, right? Then your flesh rises up. When you resist not, your flesh rises up. The very one that you want to deny, the one you want to put to death, that's the one that rises up within you and wants to retaliate, to be angry, to be unforgiving. That one is the one that's contrary to God, the one who is the enemy of God. The easy way to put him to death is to just refuse him. God has harder ways to deal with that old man. Uh, He can bring you to a physical death because you refuse to go to your spiritual death. Yeah. So as I noted, this is not a governmental issue. We're told very plainly, whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. That's John 20 and 23. So he gave them governmental authority. And for instance, the example of Paul turning a man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5 and 5. That was governmental authority. It wasn't because Paul didn't forgive the man. He forgave him personally as Jesus told the disciples to do in John 20. But he didn't forgive him for the church, because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. So we are to put away the wicked man from among yourselves. Verse 13. There are people in the church we are commanded to throw out to defend the church. Not self. For instance, we're to have no company or even eat with the ones who cause division or are outwardly immoral. 1 Corinthians 5, 11. There has to be some governmental unforgiveness, if you will, for the kingdom. When a person has been chastened or turned over to the devil, as Paul did to Hymenaeus and Alexander, so that they might be taught not to blaspheme. It's not because they haven't been forgiven for the kingdom, not because they haven't been forgiven for themselves. Okay? At the personal level, we have to go to our cross. We always have to forgive on a personal level. 
But if you are in authority in the church, you don't forgive sinners so that they can continue to sit next to everybody else and poison them. That's a little leaven leavening the whole lump. So you're defending the church in that case. And you don't forgive them. You say, no, if you're not going to repent of this willful disobedience, get out of here. So here's an example of what it is to resist not him that is evil, Matthew 6 and 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So remember that Jesus, on the cross, didn't retaliate. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23 and 34. Anger is retaliation and resisting the evil. Anger is siding with evil against evil, literally trying to overcome evil with evil. But we're told to overcome evil with good. Jesus did defend the people from the wickedness of their apostate leaders. Okay? But he didn't defend himself. Unforgiveness opens the door to bitterness, wrath, and all kinds of evil things. Matthew 5 and 43 says, You have heard that it was said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for them that persecute you. And 45, that you may be sons of your father. Notice the condition there. That you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he maketh his son to shine on the evil and the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. So these are two things that speak to what resisting not him that is evil is talking about. We have to love our enemies and we have to forgive those around us, both of which our flesh resists strongly. That's why people around us do the things that they do in order for this old man to rise up in us. Then we're able to face what may have been hidden to us and make the decision whether to lay this down or justify self. Do I take my cross or do I align myself with evil, with the old man? So Jesus tells us to love our enemies, which is truly resisting not him that is evil. And if you love someone and if you forgive them, you're not going to retaliate against them. Can a person love their enemy and still shoot them? Well, no. That's the way of the world. Don't join with the world in their wars against other people. Okay, sorry. I'm just, it's the word of God. Can a person forgive someone who does them wrong and then shoot them? Uh, no. Nor if you forgive them, can you retaliate in any lesser way? You just have to take it and resist not the evil. You say, well, David, who would defend this country? Well, there's plenty of people out there that will defend this country. The overwhelming majority of people would do that. 
All right? But you're not to take up arms against anyone. He that takes the sword shall die by the sword. So, this pacifist doctrine that Jesus had is railed against in most churches today. And they give all kinds of reasons why this can't be what Jesus meant, uh, though he said it over and over and demonstrated it over and over. And if you don't want to go to your cross, if you don't want to have more of Christ, just listen to these people because they're refusing to go there. And no matter how religious they are, they're refusing the fruit of Jesus Christ. They're refusing to take up their cross so that the old man dies, which is the same thing as bearing fruit. Because as the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed. And the inner man is that fruit, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So all you have to do is deny him and he'll die. All you have to do is not feed him and he dies. When you indulge in anger, retaliation, hitting back, all the things that normally come to mind when you're attacked, then you're feeding the old man and he will live. He'll be there the next time you try uh, again because he won't die at all. So you see, he's nailed on the cross, and it's up to you to not let him come down off that cross. If he wants to come down, he wants to live. He doesn't want this word, and he loves to pervert this word so that he can live, because this word means death. Just as when the children of Israel told Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Exodus 20 and 19. Yes, God's word puts the old man to death. So the word of God uh, would bring death to them, and they knew it. It brings death to the old man today. So if you humble yourself to what God says right here, to resist not him that is evil, it's going to put you in a position to die. If you love your enemy, if you forgive those who trespass against you, you are going to be put in a position to die. And the more you do this, the easier it will come because the old man is passing away. You're putting him to death at the edge of the sword, the Word of God. He's passing away because you're submitting. You're not resisting the very people whom God sent to bring you to your cross. Now suppose that Jesus would have retaliated and drawn his sword, or called twelve legions of angels, <laughs> as he said he could do, right? Uh, okay, And he, he would have not gone to his cross, and you'd still be lost. And the same is with people around us. People don't need us. They need Jesus. The only way they're going to see Jesus is if you bear your cross. They get saved because they see Jesus. So he had to submit of his own free will, and we do too. We can say no to the flesh. 
God's not going to reward those Christians who only love those who are nice to them. Matthew 5 and 46. For if you love them that love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the Gentiles the same? You therefore shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And how is that? By loving your enemies and resisting not him that is evil. This is what God has called us to do. And we can do this daily and actually come into more and more fruit of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 Wherefore we faint not, but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. The outward man is your fleshly man, and the part of your soul that is unregenerate. Your inward man is your spirit, and the part of your soul that is born of God. If the outward man isn't decaying, the inward man is not being renewed because they occupy the same territory. When the Israelites went into their promised land, they had to kill the enemy and take them over and take their houses and take their crops, and they lived there. They were not to live side by side with the enemy. If you do that, you're compromised. You're letting the old man live and you're not bearing fruit. So that old man has to die for the new man to take his place. This happens when we cooperate with these people around us whom God has sent into our life, many of whom are obnoxious and they're warring against us. But the Lord has sent them to take us to our cross. So you might as well go peaceably because if you don't go to your cross, you're going to lose your life. Going to the cross is easier than the alternative. It's very hot down there. So here's something our flesh doesn't want to do. Romans 12 and 14. Bless them that bless you. Bless and curse not. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 5, turned a man over to Satan for the chastening so that he would be saved. This is obviously not a curse. A chastening is not a curse. Okay. Without correction, we die. Our flesh doesn't want to pray for those who do evil to us, but it's a command from God. And if we do it, we die a little every time. The old man that wants to live, that wants to retaliate, that wants to be angry, that wants to be justified in doing it, won't live if we don't let him live. We can make the decision. So that's what fasting is all about, by the way. If, if we don't feed the old man, he becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. It's a parable. Not that fasting is not very good for us. Of course it is. But if we don't feed him, he becomes weaker and weaker. That's the purpose for fasting, by the way. If you weaken your 
carnal man, then your spiritual man has superiority. So if we do feed him, he becomes stronger and stronger. Now when we fast, we do it for the purpose of weakening the old man so that the new man is strong and it's true too in the natural. And when we feed the old man by giving him what he wants, he becomes strong in our life. Verse 15, Rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Set not your mind on high things, but condescend to things that are lowly. Be not wise in your own conceits. Render to no man evil for evil. Take thought for things honorable in the sight of all men. So in the natural, how do we render to no man evil for evil? How do we practically bring that to pass? Well, people are accosting us all the time with words, with deeds, and so on. And when that old man rises up, don't let him live. He wants to react even in self-righteous indignation. But for your own self and your own life, you have to not feed him. Render to no man evil for evil is all-encompassing. Romans 12 and 18. If it be possible, as much as in you lieth, be at peace with all men. Avenge not yourselves, beloved, but give place unto the wrath of God. Amen. So, do not avenge yourselves. Do not retaliate. Do not get angry. Do not get back at anyone. Of God was added in there uh, after wrath, but it's just basically telling us, give place unto the wrath. In other words, let it come. God's in control of it, and He won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. That's what He says. And if you give in to it, whatever comes will be from God, and you can trust Him. He is sovereign. He's in control of the cross. Men are not. He will retaliate if we don't. Did you understand that? He will retaliate if we don't. In 70 A.D., God retaliated against those who crucified Jesus and his disciples. He sure did. 19. For it is written, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And truly, if you don't retaliate and if you don't hit back, God will. But the person will learn a lesson if God does it. If you do it, they'll only become angrier at you, and they won't learn any lesson from it. So then you're into a very bad cycle downward, fighting with them, them fighting with you. When I trained my two eldest sons, I would tell them, now, if you get mad at him, don't you hit him. You come and tell me, and I'll take care of it. If they disobeyed me, if one of them did something to the other one, and the other one retaliated and hit him back, when they complained to me, I would have to say, Wait a minute, didn't I tell you to come and tell me and not to hit him back? 
Now I've got to spank you because you disobeyed me. You already hit him back, so he already got his punishment because you hit him back. Isn't that what God does with us? Of course. And if you retaliate, you hit back, you return evil for evil. They got their just desserts, but now you've got to be punished because you disobeyed. Hmm. So God's people are retaliating and disobeying Him, so He has to spank them. The easiest way is going to be the cross. The hard way is to rebel against it. Proverbs 13 and 15. But the way of the transgressor is hard. It is hard. So when my children would hit back, I would have to spank the one who hit back because I told both of them not to do that. Well, notice what it says here, Romans 12 and 19. Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. But if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Hmm. Now, some people like to give a rosy idea of what coals of fire are, but this coals of fire is not an easy thing here. It's God's retaliation, God's chastening upon them. At least then they learn something. Verse 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what the Lord is calling us to do. The first place we need to overcome evil is with good. And it's in our own life. And if we're going to retaliate, we're not, leaning, we're not learning the, the lesson. We're letting the old man live. He's going to do what he wants to do, and he doesn't die at all. Every time he dies, you've got less of him to worry about. You understand? Until you don't have any opposition, the spiritual man rules. You see? So here's something very similar, Matthew 5 and 39. But I say unto you, resist not him that is evil, but whosoever smiteth thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man would go to law with thee take away to take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. So, wow, that, that really comes against the flesh. If a person is going to sue you and take away something, Give them something extra as well. So more than what they asked for. That's what Jesus is saying. The most important thing is coming against the flesh. It's not who wins down here on earth. 1 Corinthians 15 and 31, Paul said, I die daily. He daily came against that flesh. We have to learn to do this. And God is going to help us in the days to come. We're coming to a time of great trial and tribulation, and God is going to assist us with this. He also has this army of people who are willing to help us. Matthew 5 and 41, And whosoever shall compel thee to go one mile, go with him too. So we find almost the same thing repeated here, 1 Corinthians 6 and 5. I say this to move you to shame. 
What? Cannot there be found among you one wise man who shall be able to decide between his brethren? But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. Nay, already it is altogether a defect in you that you have lawsuits one with another. Why not rather take the wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? They can't take anything from you that God can't restore. Give and it'll be given unto you. Good measure shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. You see, if you turn this, you may have loaned this person something or they may have taken something. But if you just turn it into a gift, guess what? It comes back multiplied, as I just told you about. See, you can turn it into a blessing for you. If somebody borrows something from you and they won't return it, well, fine. Give it to them. Then what? Then you get a reward. You don't get a reward for demanding it back. You get a reward for giving it to them. So he's saying it's better for you to turn the other cheek, to take the wrong, to be defrauded. Of course, you can't do anything if they drag you to court. But if you attempt to use the worldly law against your brother, Paul calls that defrauding because you're hitting back. Now God has to hit you. Nay, but ye yourselves do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Or know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? In other words, if you don't take your cross then you're not inheriting the kingdom of God. Also, if you hit back, you are not forgiving, and according to Jesus, you are not forgiven your sins, which puts you under the curse. So that puts you under the wrath of God. You see, the cross is the easy way. <laughs> the cross is something we have to embrace to bear the fruit of Jesus Christ. He said, Whosoever doth not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Luke 14 and 27. So that's pretty dangerous. Uh, if you don't lose your life in this world, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you don't lose your life, you will not gain your life. That's conditional. Some people have many unconditional eternal security type thoughts and teachings and they want to do away with things like this because this is crucifying. They don't even think it possible to live this life of the Sermon on the Mount. They try to put it off to the millennium. <laughs> the truth is, that's a dangerous thing for them to do. They're selling their own soul to the devil. Here's another admonition, Matthew 10 and 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Well, you know what a sheep does in front of a wolf. They just hunker down and die. They don't bite the wolf. Okay? Hmm. So you remember that Jesus was a lamb led to slaughter. And God's hand would be turned against the little ones. 
So now he sends his disciples forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Jesus said, As thou didst send me into the world, even so sent I them into the world. John 17 and 18. As Jesus was sent as a lamb led to slaughter, who opened not his mouth, who resisted not the evil, now we're sent in the same way, to be sheep in the midst of wolves. And as sheep, we are to be harmless as doves. So the whole world teaches contrary to this, and most of you out there who are patriotic have a spirit that is totally contrary to the Word of God. Our allegiance is to our kingdom. Our allegiance is not to the kingdoms of the world. We don't go out and kill people in order to support the kingdom of God. We go out and kill people in order to support the kingdom of the world. You're on the enemy's side. Our Lord told us to be harmless as doves, to turn the other cheek, to resist not him that's evil, to love our enemies, and to forgive. If we don't, we're not bearing our cross. We're not losing our life. We're not gaining our life. We have to lose one to gain the other because they occupy the same territory. Matthew 10 and 17 says, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, and in their synagogues they will scourge you. Of course, if they told you to resist not evil, they're going to be mistreated in this way. Yea, and before governors and kings shall ye be brought for my sake, for a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Your old man says, No, we want to escape that, Lord. But the Lord says, You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Matthew 24 and 9. Meaning that God's name, which is the Greek word onoma, uh, and it means nature, character, and authority. God wants to put in you his nature, character, and authority. And it will be manifested in us if we resist not him that's evil. And we are hated by these people so that the life of Christ is manifested in his people. We don't have permission to hit back, but we can flee. Matthew 10 and 23 says, But when they persecute you in this city, flee into the next. Someone wants to argue with you, you can just turn around and walk the other way. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man be come. So he's coming to save you. <laughs> so we see that God's people have permission of the Lord to flee, but we have no permission to fight, to wrestle with flesh and blood. We do have permission to deal with principalities and powers that use flesh and blood. And we have more power by exercising our authority over the principalities and powers uh, than we do by wrestling with flesh and blood. That's why we're forbidden to do this, because the Lord has ordained that these people, ordained these people to help us to our cross. And he tells us we're to be sheep in the midst of wolves and harmless as doves. Now, I want to say this. When God gives you an order... 
and that order includes bringing judgment upon the wicked man's flesh, that's God. That's not you. That's quite legal. It's done all through the Bible. And even today, when God gives you an order to send forth the angels to take out some people, guess what? That's God. That's not you. Okay? but And he, he won't do that if you're just defending self. Understand? So he's really putting us in a situation whereby we are weak, but God's power is made perfect in weakness. And so, and, uh, and that's 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. But God saves us many times when we resist not the evil because we give up our own power and deny ourselves. I want to share this revelation with you. It's from Anonymous 528.23. Show kindness and feed your enemies. Mm-hmm. They said, my wife said she ordered two couches which we needed to pick up at a nearby Red Cross store. Well, we rest on the promises of the blood-stained cross, don't we? Yeah, Red Cross. And we, we drove the short distance to the store, and when we arrived, I parked our vehicle, and my wife said that she would grab the couches and she would be, wouldn't be long. While waiting, another car parked next to me. Two women got out, and one of them seemed to be the store manager, and I somehow recognized her. I smiled and waved at her, and she stopped and turned to the other woman, wondering, Who was I, uh, and why did I smile and wave at her? The other lady motioned to her and said, That's the guy from the other week. She then acted as if she just remembered and walked over. She said, why are you smiling and waving? I said, why not? She then said, you and your wife are so kind and generous. I said, it's all Jesus. Amen. So God's children have the fruit of Christ, and uh, he puts it in our hearts how to treat others with love and kindness. Of Proverbs 10 and 7, the memory of the righteous is blessed. Psalm one twelve five and 6. Well, is it with the man that dealeth graciously and lendeth? Well, is it? Okay. For he shall never be moved. The righteous shall be had in everlasting remembrance. Just then my wife came out with the couches and somehow just placed them on top of the car. <laughs> like you can do in a dream, right? Uh, we then drove off to go get some food. And at the restaurant, uh, two men in black, uh, black clothing means works of darkness, rushed over and grabbed me and put me in their back, their black SUV. Well, vehicles represent a person's life and ways. The black SUV travels in darkness. It represents a large body of the beast. They were very angry with me and asked strange questions about my job here and why I'm here and what I am up to. The beast is, of course, of the world, Babylon, which is confusion and uses fear and intimidation with people to make them comply to their demands. 
I said, I just followed Jesus and cheerfully answered and helped them. They were insistent and made it clear to me that they would harm me and eventually kill me somewhere, and no one would know or would hear me scream. I wasn't worried and kept telling them about my life with Jesus. It was like chalk nails on a blackboard to them. Each testimony and amazing love Jesus has for me and my family and all the people I met was making them manifest such hatred and anger. So those with an Antichrist spirit hate Jesus in us and all righteousness. Uh, The 14 Satanists who God killed hated us with a passion, but they could do nothing to us when we held to the word. And I was given a word to speak, and I spoke that word, and they were killed. It wasn't me killing them, it was God. Uh, Psalm 56, 4 and 5. In God I will praise His word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can flesh do unto me? All the day long they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. Psalm 109 and 30. I will give great thanks unto the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will praise Him among the multitude. We then arrived in a very dark, isolated place. They got out. To their surprise, I got out with them. One of them said to the other, I wish I had eaten something before we did this. I then said, Here, you can have this. I had no idea how, but I had a French salad baguette. And he said, Whoa, thanks so much. And he was so happy. Romans twelve nineteen through 21 says, Avenge not yourselves, beloved, but give place unto the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. But if thine enemy hunger, feed him, and if he thirst, give him to drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So while the one guy was eating, the other reached out for a cigarette, but couldn't find his lighter. I reached into my pocket and somehow had one and gave it to him. He was surprised and said, How did you do that? I said, If I need anything, my father will just give it to me. Here I know you need it. He lit up the cigarette and acted angry and muttered something and walked around by himself while the other guy was still enjoying the food. And he then shouted excitedly, Isn't he so kind to give me this food? Do you you want some? It's really good. The other guy was starting to be less angry and said, No thanks. Proverbs 15 and 1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but a grievous word stirreth up anger. So the two of them were talking to each other, but I couldn't hear them. He then walked to me and said, Look, we were told, in other words, just following the beast's orders, uh, 
to get you and then just kill you. But there's no way I can do that now. He pointed at the other guy who had just finished eating, and then he went on to tell me that he wasn't sure about this whole scenario and that the other guy just said they needed to to let me go. So he was now just um, going to drive off. In other words, here's a guy that learned the lesson, and he obeyed the Lord, and he got free of it. What what would have happened if he had retaliated? Well, he got killed, you know. So the other guy spoke then, saying, Why not just drop him off where we got him? Then I was taken back to where I was, and I woke up. <laughs> so when we obey the commandments of God, He works on our behalf. Uh, also, if we do not fear the enemy, uh, for fear hath torment, uh, He can change a person's heart. In any situation uh, we may find ourselves in, and he controls all of the vessels of honor and of dishonor. We do not defend ourselves against the worldly beast, and God will deliver us. Also, if we believe that uh, they cannot harm us because we are redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen. Proverbs 16 and 1 says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Proverbs 10 and 2. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. Proverbs 11 and 6. The 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 righteousness of the upright shall deliver them. Proverbs 16 and 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 21 and 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the water courses. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Okay, we call this one Castle Advancement, also anonymous. 2.23.23. Castle Advancement. I had a dream where I was living in a sand-colored castle with other believers. Sand is earthly, but also represents the seed of Abraham. So this castle represents our old life. We had done everything we wanted to in this castle. And this represents self-will and the mind of the flesh, which does what it wants with this earthly body, right? And we wanted to advance to another castle in a different location. Aha! This advancement into another castle is like Esther advancing to go into the king's house. Hmm. So at night, we snuck out of the castle and we left through the back gate to start journeying across the deserts and plains to get to the other castle, which is obviously positive. So leaving at night represents going out into the wilderness without having much light or understanding of the word and um, maybe not knowing where you're going, kind of like Abraham did when he was going to the promised land, right? Okay, so There were so many stars in the sky, and the moon was bright, and you could see planes flying above, and so on and so forth. We had to pass through a specific area in the desert. 
with these hills and rocks and all these people would come out from behind the rocks when we got close. We didn't know what these people were going to do or if they were good or bad. So some of us fled. Others tried to hide. And some stood still when we would get attacked by these people. And then we were teleported back to the previous castle. Uh Uh-oh. Failed the test. (laughs) We failed a test, so we had to go through the same process of leaving the castle, going through the desert, and coming back to the area with the rocks and hills where these people were. There was no way to avoid them. We always had to pass this area. Well, there is no way to avoid dealing with the other people and the trials that we face in our wilderness. We just must remember our renewed mind, right? So after a few times of us going through this process of getting to the hills and rocks area and us being returned back to the castle, I cried out to God asking why we couldn't get past this area because we knew God wanted us to get past it. He spoke to me clearly, and he said, This area is in the desert is to crucify our flesh, and the enemy will only be allowed to attack us when we do something out of the will of God. We need to listen carefully every moment to hear what God wants us to do, how to respond and how to move, and then the enemy couldn't touch us. I felt God say that He wants brides to be married to for eternity, but He wants a specific bride who is in complete agreement, communion, and unity with Him. Colossians 1 and 9, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Ask for that. Amen. I saw that God is sovereign over these enemies, and He controls them, but He uses them to show us how He wants us to be and how He doesn't want us to be. And I saw the Lord in all of the enemy. I saw Him in the sky and the stars and the planets and in the ground and in the trees and in the desert. I could see Him in the brethren and all the other people. In the desert, I shared this with the other brethren. There's no accidents in a believer's life. A man can receive nothing except it come from heaven. Everything is a test. Everything is God sent. Is that because we shouldn't resist some things? Not necessarily people, but some things because they're a part of the curse and Jesus took the curse. No, I'm not saying that either. So Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For in him, that is Christ, were all things created in the heavens and upon the earth, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things have been created through him and unto him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So God is in everything around you. There's no accidents. 
Look on everything as a possible trial and overcome in it. Find the will of God, speak the will of God, so on. So now, knowing this, we went out of the castle and went across the desert and came to the area with the rocks and the hills. This time I asked God in my mind what to do. He said for me to stand still and love them and to be joyful and kind and treat them as Jesus. So one of the people came over to me, and he looked just like my husband. I felt that each person individually looked differently to others. And it was between them and God that God would appear to each person uniquely how he wanted to. So he could, God could be moving through anybody around you to, in your situation, right? You're still being tried. So everything and everyone is a test. I did what God said for me to do, and then the person who looked like my husband was very kind and loving back to me, and he became very protective of me. And I asked the Lord what he wanted me to say before I said it, and the man always responded back very well, filled with fruit of Jesus. And when I spoke, and did what God wanted me to do, everything would go perfectly, and this person and Jesus would manifest through this man in spirit and in soul. If I stepped out of what God wanted, the person would react differently, and then I knew when I wasn't doing the will of God. I felt I was being corrected with every move I made and every word or thought which I was grateful for because I was happy to and wanted to know how God wanted me to be and what God wanted me to do. And during the process, I learned much about how God wanted me to react and move, and it became natural and flowing that I could hear the Lord clearly and see Him clearly. Proverbs 12 and 1, Whoso loveth correction loveth knowledge. Proverbs 15 and 32. He that refuseth correction despiseth his own soul. But he that hearkeneth to reproof getteth understanding. I really wanted to please God, and in seeking God each moment, I could feel God was pleased. And as I listened and responded as God wanted, I felt his presence through me but his presence also manifested through this man that looked like my husband. It was Jesus in me and Jesus in him. And when I obeyed God and sought him, everything went perfectly. But when I didn't, that's when things would go bad. Mark 3 and 35. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother, sister, and mother. Yes. I looked over and saw a few other brethren struggling and worrying, and many of them ended up getting attacked and taken back to the castle. Some because they were afraid, others because they were not treating the people as if they were Jesus, or because they were doing what they thought to do and not what God told them to do. I then felt the Lord say not to worry about them right now, and I could talk with them later but right now, I'm to focus on this training and what he has before me. 
So we each need to stay focused in our own individual trials and overcome the mind of the flesh and sins. Philippians 2 and 12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I felt if I left to go over and help the brethren at that moment that I would upset this man. I was supposed to be fully focused on him and on leaving the castle. If I didn't, I would then be teleported back to the castle. Galatians 6 and 5. For each man shall bear his own burden. So we can better help others when we have overcome in our own trials and experiences. Okay? Uh, To him that overcometh will I give authority. You don't get authority because you go to Bible school. You get authority because you overcome in your own trials. Then you get authority from God. The process of interacting with this man kind of felt like courting. It was as if Jesus in me was courting Jesus in this man. And when I was allowing Jesus to manifest through me, I could be corrected. If it went too far off track, I would be taken back to the castle to start again. The courting was like Jesus was in this man. But I had to seek the Lord to see how he wanted me to respond and what to say and what he wanted me to do that would please him. It felt as if I was courting Jesus through this man and that I was being corrected and perfected to be how Jesus wanted me. Hebrews 13 and 21. And this is Jesus. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Yeah. So this is a a trial just like Jesus' trial. Make you perfect in every good thing to do his will. Amen? So then I went to a certain area or did something that I thought was right. But I erred, and I was taken back to the castle to start again. I thought we need to do as the Word says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not upon thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. So when all the brethren were back together, We all testified to each other what God told us to do and how to react, and they all shared what worked for them and what didn't work. So obviously our testimonies help each other to understand in our own trials, you know, how to overcome. One of them shared they really struggled with fear of the people and the unknown of what they could do and repented for not trusting God. I shared that I felt God is in control of every step. Yes, he is. We went out again and arrived at this same area with the rocks and the hills. This time God said for me to enter into one of the buildings, and I did. The inside was like a grocery store, and I felt hungry. 
I heard God say to walk over to the deli area, and I did, where I saw so many meats everywhere. I wanted a piece of pepperoni. So I went to grab it, but then God told me, no, pick up some roast beef. I wanted the pepperoni, but in obedience, I picked up the beef because God said to. Then I turned around, and the man that looked like my husband was there, and he said he had been waiting for me. He had pepperoni in his hand and gave it to me, and I gave him the roast beef that I had in my hand, and he told me he felt like eating the beef. (laughs) Then he and I walked around as if on a date. But uh, I would wait to hear what God wanted me to say, when and how to move, etc., at every moment. So this is the way things work out, right? Folks, you just think, well, I'll just get what I need. No, you might be getting something what somebody else's need, and you might have somebody else have, have in their mind put there something to give to your need, right? So I saw the Lord in this man like my husband and in all the others. Well, Second Corinthians 5 and 16, Wherefore, we henceforth know no man after the flesh. I could see him in control of them, and I saw how when I did something that wasn't in God's will for me to do, the people would react negatively. I felt so close to God in this dream as I was going through all of this, and I felt as if I was dating Jesus and felt the crucifying of my flesh and the coming out of agreement with the things that were not God's will. But when I spoke and acted how God wanted me to, everything would go so perfectly, and I felt that God was pleased. Well, when we hear and obey the Lord, this is walking in agreement with God and doing the will of God. Luke 8 and 21. But he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these that hear the word of God and do it. Amen. It was honestly a really wonderful feeling, and I really loved uh, in this dream feeling this close to Jesus and wanting to please him, being able to hear every moment how he wanted me to be and what he wanted me to do and speak. Well, amen. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen. So, this went on for a while uh, as I was learning to hear God and to do as he said each moment. And when I failed, I would be corrected. But I learned to not do that again, but to hear God more clearly. It was so awesome to feel so close to Jesus and hear His voice so clearly. I felt that once we passed this area, we had accomplished hearing God's voice every second, being obedient to Him every moment, and pleasing Him that we will move through the desert with our husband. Uh, Which to me, um, that's Jesus who's saying was her husband, right? which to me he looked just like my husband, but to others he looked different and personalized to each of them. 
And after passing this area, we would be escorted through the desert with our husband and on to the next castle. Okay, we call this Crucified in Christ. It was Marie Kelton, 2623. I had an open vision at the meeting. I was looking at the floor, and then I saw drops of blood falling on the floor. I then saw the Lord getting whipped uh, and with a crown of thorns on his head. I then saw myself uh, in the same position. Then the vision ended. Well, as we are committed to taking up our cross by obeying the word in our trials, we follow Jesus to the death of self and his resurrection life. So, I want to say again um, a caveat to all of this. You will remember Ananias and Sapphira were seeking to bring into the church error and deceptiveness, um, and the apostle rebuked them, and um, that they were not lying unto men, but lying unto God. Well, guess what? He spoke death to Ananias and Sapphira. It wasn't him. It was a prophetic word. He spoke that death to them. Was he defending himself? No. He was defending the church. And we will find that this is a common thing in every every time, actually. Uh, in the Old Testament, when a prophet prophesied judgment against a people that actually brought them to death, which happened many times, it wasn't him. It was God speaking through him. God has a right to judge. We do not. And if we're defending self, we do not. If we're defending the people, we do. We have authority if we speak in God, exactly as this is saying. So I wanted to make that caveat known and understood because these things still happen. I know of a people who have turned the other cheek, resisted not him that's evil, uh, and they're hiding from their enemies who uh, constantly want to kill them and remove them from this life. And uh, they're doing what they're supposed to do. But God has told me and given me steps to take to send the angels to take care of their enemies who are murdering them. And we always say that it's not, um, it, we are not taking down the elect of God because amongst the enemies there are elect of God. They're going to be saved. Okay? And we always make that caveat. And the angels always know that caveat. Because they know who is elect and who is not. And if they take down a group of people, they may very well leave someone who is elect and who is going to learn the lesson from this and turn to the kingdom with a great witness. So that's the caveat. We have to obey God in everything we do. If you're put in a position of authority over a people... You may be called upon by the Lord to send the angels or otherwise. 
You're not going to ever do anything violent, use weapons or anything like that, you know. Um, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, you know. But we don't use the weapons of man. Um, and we could, But we can speak things. If God puts us in a position to protect other people and he commands us to speak something, it means he needs you to say this for it to come to pass. He has given us authority in the earth. He gave Adam authority in this earth. And he gave it up through sin. So, we have authority in this earth. And God uses us to speak things like it did, like he did with Ananias and Sapphira. To speak things. To defend the people. Not to defend self. Understood? Okay, so this is something that we have to understand. This is a caveat to what we were talking about because uh, we personally can't judge. But God can judge. And He can judge through us. But you got to make sure it's God speaking and not you. So when God judges through us, that's God. He can do that. He said, I kill and I make alive. I, even I, the Lord of hosts. God's not under his own rules. We are under his rules. Okay? If he decides to kill, he can kill. And if it's to defend a, a people, he, he'll do it. He will do it. Now, we fought a battle for these people that are hiding from their enemies. And I always check with God. I say, God, is this what you want me to do? Because he puts a thought in my mind. And I go back to him and I say, is this what you want done? He said, yes. So I do it. I speak it. And the angels go and do it, including killing people that are a threat to his people, including that. And uh, God's never corrected me on this uh, although I've had thoughts to do it one way, uh, and when I go to him, he gives me thoughts to do it another way. But it always gives him authority and the angels authority to do something to defend God's people. A lot of times when people want to argue doctrines with me, I don't do it. But if other people are listening, I may you know, defend their thoughts, their understanding by telling this person, no, you're wrong. Here's what the Bible says. Okay. A lot of times I don't tell people, I don't correct people because nobody's threatened. But if somebody's bringing a false doctrine, um, I feel more inclined by the Lord to defend them with truth. You see, what we can't do for self, we can do for others. But we can't do it on our own. It's just like this revelation. These revelations are, we can't do it on our own. It has to be God's will, God's word, and so forth. And He will bring it to pass to defend the people. It's a good thing. He's a faithful God. And it's a good thing. Well, uh, 
Father, we just ask, Lord, that people will discern um, the righteous way, that they will ask and understand if this is a position where they just have to deny themselves or whether they have to defend others. And if so, what does God want to do? We can't fail. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For self, we have to deny self to die, to go to our cross, to be like Jesus. Think of what Jesus can do in this world. Think about what you can do in this world. You can do nothing without Him. It's Him that's able to touch the people. It's Him that's able to save and deliver. It's Him. You need Him in you. If He is in you, He can do much more than you can. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. So we see that what we just studied is correct. We are to wait on the Lord, to be quick to hear and slow to speak, and especially be slow to wrath. Amen? So, Father, we ask that you teach us all this method of coming into the image of Jesus Christ. He was our example. He... um, fulfilled the will of God. He said, I always do those things I hear of my Father. He fulfilled the will of God. And because of that, he was highly exalted. And um, he became our sacrifice, the one who made it possible for us to take up our cross and follow him. Some people think, well, we, Jesus took up our cross, therefore we don't have to. No, he said we have to. And so when we take up our cross and follow him, it is to the death of self and the resurrection life of Christ in us. Amen. And the water baptism that we went through will be fulfilled in our life as we let the Word of God uh, renew our minds so that we act in Him, and that that Word puts to death that old man and his ways of retaliation, hatred, anger, so on and so forth. So, it's a blessing from God. We don't want to live the rest of our time to the lusts of men, but to the will of God, the Scripture says. And the way we do that is exactly what we've been talking about. The way to get there the way to get there quickly. If you don't uh, cooperate with the crucifixion of self, God will send the beast and the harlot to help you to your cross. You you should be doing this now so you don't have to be caught in what most of the church is going to be caught in. Amen? Well, all right. Thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, thank you for your mercy and your grace towards us. Thank you for working in us to will and to do of your 
good pleasure. Thank you, Father. Amen. Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus Yeah.